0: Welcome to the Sports and Torts podcast and its presentation of College Football's Last Call. This podcast is powered by the J Stein Law Firm, a personal injury law firm in Atlanta, Georgia. And now, the boys bring you their thoughts on this week in college football.
1: What's up, everyone? Week five in the books and another highly entertaining week in the world of college football. As always, Jason Gans, Lawrence Kessler joining us for Sports & torch presentation of, I like that tip the cap, of uh, college football's last call. Happy to have you guys here, whether it is on the podcast or on the Jay Stein Law Firm YouTube channel. Those of you who are watching us, hello, how are y'all doing? I know that Jared Schlosser, uh, People's Champs watches on the big screen. So what's up, Jared? How you doing, buddy? Uh, guys, I'm going to start off because um, the word that I'm going to use to describe the Georgia game is just fun. Uh, I thought it was fun getting back into like a rivalry game type of situation where you get the blood pumping for a game in September, fun making a comeback, fun having the text messages, all the feels that go with it, fun watching it with my boy, Big Later 99 So look, there's a lot of criticism out there. A lot of people saying, are the dogs this, are they that? I had a fun time watching the game. That's my word. Uh, guys, what was y'all's takeaway?
2: Gans, I'll let you start, and I'll, I'll wrap up since I was watching the game with our host here. Sure. Uh, survive and move on. The Dogs run of the Plains, uh, came back with a victory. Any road game in the SEC is tough. Auburn was, what, 3-1 and one going into the game. They played pretty well. Um, their defense, we knew their defense would be good. Their offense had some new wrinkles to it this week. Uh, just happy with the victory. Um, and and let's look towards next week. I'll get into the game a little bit, but that that's sort of my initial reaction. Oh, and one more thing, there there's this guy at number nineteen, pretty freaking good.
0: It's pretty damn fun to watch a guy just like stand out amongst every other player in college football and put himself on the roadmap for the Heisman Trophy. But uh, listen, you know we're two time defending national champs. So I'm not sure if people remember that we're getting everybody's best shot. And as we've mentioned the past couple of weeks, we're still a relatively young and inexperienced team. Uh, the one thing that, I, I, that I'm that i taking away from that game, besides Brock Bowers as being an absolute man amongst boys, is the the growth that we saw Carson Beck take from the first half to the second half of that game, where he started out looked a little shaky. He missed Delp, which would have changed the whole trajectory of the game to begin with. Um, but he missed him. You know, first half was slow and sloppy, like most of our first halves have been. And then he came out in the second half and played, I thought, lights out. I mean, we had the three drives to tie, take the lead, and then win the game were a 10-play 98-yard drive, a 7-play seven 71-yard drive, and then a 7-play seven 75-yard drive with seven catches coming from 19, with one that even got called back that was the most ridiculous catch I've seen all season. So, um, yeah, Auburn came to play. We look sloppy. I had a blast watching the game. And um, listen, it's good to – it's it's more fun than just beating the crap out of these teams when you're done at halftime and uh, you're bored. So speaking of halftime, I mean, Kirby, you know, I haven't seen it. Maybe it has
1: been released. But the the halftime speech he gave this weekend, I don't know. But, my God, bottle that up and sell it. Because whatever he's telling these guys at the half, it's working. I would like to see us get off to a quicker start. Lawrence, you nailed it, that first pass the Delp that he just, you know, Beck, little air under that, let him run underneath it. That's seven. And, and who knows? um But the word that, that, that I think of with Beck is composure. Um He showed a lot of composure in that third and fourth quarter, making big third down plays. Kirby seems to have all the confidence in the world in him, um which tells me a lot. Uh Y'all both mentioned Brock. How can you not? He's the lead. Um, he took over the game. I mean, they knew the ball was coming to him. <laughs> they still couldn't stop him. That last touchdown was was men versus boys. It's just insane. Uh, I, I think I told you, Lawrence, that he he has surpassed Todd Gurley for me in my all time greats. Um, Gurley h- held it for a long time, but number nineteen, he, he's my guy. So,
2: yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. I watched that replay of his forty yard touchdown. I don't know a dozen times. It's, it's actually hysterical. The Auburn defender number four was petrified of him. And the guy basically ran away. That guy's going to catch so much shit in film this week. But And, and you said it, right? It, it's a man amongst boys out there. Two one-handed catches in a row. In terms of Carson Beck, what I've realized is when he has a clean pocket, he's as good as anyone in the country. The guy throws a fantastic ball. He is accurate when he has a clean pocket. If I was a defensive coordinator, I'd... I, in that game, I would have sold out. When when he starts moving and he's got to run around, he feels a little pressure. He's not as good so far on the season. I'd say Carson Beck has been a B, and and I think that that's pretty solid. Uh, he's got potential to be an A. The game overall, you know, I I disagree a little bit with you guys. I I would have rather had a blowout. I I ended up having more vacas than I would like to have yesterday. There is some cause for concern. I I never. Thought we were going to lose, but I was uncomfortable, let's just say. Defense is is a big concern. We've lost four first-round off a defensive linemen in the past two drafts. There's no making up for that. That is significant. There's been a lot of critique on the linebacker play. And when you don't have Jalen Carter in front of you, you don't have Jordan Davis, you don't have Devontae White, you don't have uh, Trayvon Walker, it exposes things. Conversely, those guys make you look really good. George had a tough time setting the edge yesterday and Auburn ran all over us. Um don't expect to see that this weekend. Kentucky's defense is a little bit different. Our offense is a little bit different. I think we'll get into that as, as the show goes on. Uh, but they they did get the job done when they needed to. Right? It was it was almost a bend but don't break defense. The final score is 27-20. They scored 14 points off of two crappy turnovers, right? We clean that up. Delp's holding the ball like a like a loaf of bread. And that pick, I don't part of it's on, on Beck, part of it's on Marcus Rosemie, Jack Saint. Part of it is that could have been pass interference. Clean those things up, and it's not a game. It's a 30 to six game, 30 to 10, 30 yeah. to 30. <clears throat> he makes a clean pass to Delp, and the interception never ha- I mean, that
0: was on the very next play, so it never happens. Uh, but I'm going to steal a a good, bad, and ugly from you, Red. You go. um, the good, it was great to see McConkey back out there. Um, he makes huge third down catch uh, after third down catch. Also, another good Peyton Woodring, two clutch yeah. field goals. Great point. Yeah. Um, the see. bad, I just think not not re- Maybe it was a scheme. Maybe Hugh Freeze just saw saw a weakness. Uh, but not being able to spy the quarterback or, or be able to contain the quarterback and allow for some big runs over and over and over again, um, I, I agree with you. We, we got to clean that up um, before we play Kentucky because apparently they have the second coming of uh, of uh, I don't know Emmett Smith or Herschel Walker back in their backfield who ran for two hundred eighty yards against the the Florida Gators in uh, the ugly. Uh, quite frankly, I. I I feel like not only were we playing against the Auburn Tigers, we were playing against some uh, one-sided officiating as well on Saturday. You know, I I hate to blame the Zebras, but uh, there were some really bad missed calls in that game. But, listen, a road win is a road win. Uh, Auburn, they showed a stat during the game, the last four Auburn home games against a number one team, Auburn has won. Um, And so to get out there with a win with Beck's first first real true SEC road test, hey, all good. And I think this is a team – we're a team that we – are. Are going to gel late. This is just creating character, and it's going to put us in a good spot for when we get into some big games later in the season.
2: So, Larry, just two things I wanted to touch on that you mentioned. One is we now have won 16 out of our last 19 games against Auburn, which is insane, right? For a rivalry, Deep South's oldest rivalry. The last time Auburn beat us was in 2017 in Auburn. Uh, th- this is a one-sided. kind We were of, the number one team. We were. Uh, this is a one-sided ass-drubbing. The second thing that you brought up, again, I don't like to blame refs. We won the game, so it doesn't matter. It's water under the bridge. Auburn had one penalty for five yards. They had Their quarterback ran two yards past the line of scrimmage, then threw a forward pass, not reviewed, nothing, but the refs are reviewing Brock Bowers rolling around on the ground and letting the ball go. A <laughs> forgot about that one. <laughs> Dajon touched the ground 14 times before he coughed the ball up, and they're reviewing that. The refs were atrocious. There's a ton of holds. It happens all the time, but whatever, we won. Fortunately, it didn't matter. I also agree, the last point I wanted to agree with you on is I'm hoping that Auburn was sort of like Missouri last year, right? You go in, and and it's a wake-up call. Look back to 2007. Georgia almost lost to Vanderbilt, and then we went out, and they got the team together, I realized, as a marketer team, and then um, steamrolled everybody the rest of the season. 2012, we lost to South Carolina, came back. 17 you lose you know the team takes on new identity so i'm hoping that you know we, we come out with a big statement win this weekend move forward and, and and that's who we are so so lawrence if i could add one to your good category i'd like to say
1: that we made the good decision to switch to bourbon at halftime strategically um usually you try to wait till the sun goes down but it, they needed us man they needed to change momentum uh we did our part you also did not sit down again uh during the entire second half, if, unless I'm, unless I'm wrong. Like I remember you and Sammy standing up and pacing and doing your thing, which, you know, that, that, that's got to do what you got to do. So those when, are the two when,
0: when you find that spot that works, you got to stay there. You got to stay Brown there. liquor, standing up behind the sofa, come back. When we'll, we'll keep it going. There you go. Okay. Okay. The, the, the,
1: the one thing that I'd add to, um, I don't know if it's bad or wrong if it's ugly, but, I don't love the distribution of carries for running backs right now. Jason, you pointed out in the beginning that you you didn't want Dejon or any one running back to have more than twenty carries. He had nineteen. Um, the team had thirty total. If you if you back out Carson Bex, I think it was three or four, and you back out those team ones they call, there was only six other carries to running backs. Four of them going to Dylan Bell. So I don't I don't love that. Um, I think we've got to to figure out who that second horse is going to be. We want to be Milton, but time and time again, it's not. So anyway, I'd like to see that. Dejon's great, two touchdowns, but
0: we need him fresh at the end of the season. So I'll, I'll just would, like that. What did you think that. of the handoff on third and two to Brock Bowers?
2: I actually like that play 100%. call a lot. You need, two, you need two yards, you give it to a moose and let him fall forward. Josh, you bring up a good point. The identity of this team is totally different. Um, part of it's because of injury. Uh, we, we don't have the... Featured back or two features back, though I think I think Dejon's done a great job. This is going to be so uh, Carson Beck threw thirty three passes yesterday, as you mentioned thirty runs. It's going to be a pass first team. Conversely, on on the other side of the ball. You know, historically, George has been known as just massive run stoppers and and maybe a little suspect in the back half of the secondary. Totally opposite this year. Look at you know, Malikar Starks is probably the best safety in the country. Javon Bullard is absolutely awesome. Um, um, why Mike? Uh, Kamaru Lesnar. He's a shutdown corner. The the secondary is fantastic. The D line, I don't think they're bad, but we got so spoiled the past few years. So I think the identity of the defense is a little bit different in the sense that very, very strong against the pass and, and a little suspect yesterday against the run. So uh it's just worth pointing out and a little bit unique for for a Kirby Smart Coach football team. So the last thing that I'll say about the
1: Georgia Auburn game before we move on to the other stuff we got to get to is um you know, I said it last week and y'all agreed like we, we like the Georgia Auburn rivalry like Auburn. They did a great job on Saturday with the atmosphere in that stadium. The orange out, as they called it. Uh, and they had all the big guys in the house. Charles Barkley was there. Frank Thomas was there. Cam Newton, all dressed to the nine. So they put on a show. Um, the the crowd definitely played a role in that. But uh, just a little bit short, guys, a little bit short for you guys in Auburn. All right. So. The other game that I thought was was very fun on Saturday was uh, LSU Ole Miss impersonating uh, the old Big Twelve matchups, where they just there's no defense, all points, thousand plus yards combined. Very very weird SEC game. Uh, Gans, you love Lane Kiffin. He came out ahead, fifty plus
2: points on on Brian Kelly. Um, what was up with that game? So actually. And I'm not very good at math. I like to bring this up all the time. I believe there are 1,300 yards of, of total offense in that game, which is insane. Ole Miss had 700 yards of offense, and and just over, and LSU had just under. Um, I, you know, I think that the the shine is going to come off the turret on, uh, on Brian Kelly and Red Stick. You can't be giving up what was it 54 points to uh, to to Ole Miss. Um, I don't know. Look, how good does that? How good does that Florida State win over LSU look at this point? I, I don't know. Um, parody. Parody. Yeah, so Jaden
0: Daniels got lifted up off the ground again. <laughs> he's, he's becoming a ragdoll over there. Um, I mean, listen, I think it effectively eliminates LSU from SEC West contention. And I think in the preseason preview, you said no SEC West team will be undefeated it's also possible the SEC West winner may have two losses um but uh I think the only two undefeated teams right now in the SEC West are Bama and A M in conference play um which is pretty wild that game that game was just crazy. there was no semblance of defense whatsoever um it, it was silly it was it was it was uh, video game football and um I, I prefer a little more defense in my life. The, the Old Miss fans stormed the field afterwards. There's just great
1: videos of that poor security guard in the end zone. I don't know if he was trying or, or what he was doing, but he was not he was not keeping them off the field. It got me thinking, and I'd like to ask you guys, and, and sorry to put you on the spot, but are there some rules that these fans should follow when it comes to what warrants storming the field? I mean, is beating a you know one-loss already in September LSU team at home where 1300 yards would put up really warrants storming the field. And, and if not, like, what,
0: what, what, what is this? Uh, is, is, when should you do it? When should fans be able to storm the field? Hey, listen, I think the Walton Raiders storm the field after every home win. So, um, Liz, I think you, I think storming the field, uh, if memory serves, the only time that we've done it in my, in our history, in my memory of Georgia's when we beat Tennessee. It was at two thousand and two, two thousand and one. After losing them eight straight times, um, I mean, did that even really warrant storming the field? I think maybe you beat the number one team, uh, South Carolina. Rushed the field a couple times in uh, Lou Holtz's first years when they when they hadn't won a game in three years. They finally stormed the field. Uh, but yeah, beating old or beating LSU on a random Saturday night in September. Um, yeah, I think that is a uh, act like you've been there before. Uh, not not impressed with the storming of the field. I am impressed with the agility of the of the security guard, though, and the uh, Matt Hardy esque uh, flip uh, flip off the the goalposts straight onto the turf.
2: Was there any significance to that win? I was by the, by the time that happened. I, uh, this guy was in la la land uh, between my clear vodka drinking during the game, and then we we went out for a. Uh, a light bite afterwards, if you will, and I think I was poisoned with uh, more vodka, so I don't remember. Is, is there significance? Is this the first time they beat LSU at home, or you know? It's like, okay, so uh, that yeah, Lawrence. I mean, we did storm the field beating Tennessee after you know whatever. Listen, I don't blame a lot of uh, Old Mrs. frat boys. They're falling some of those co-eds onto the field. I would have done the same thing at twenty-one.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So the other two. Um, the other two wins in the SEC, Bama kind of ride the ship a little bit. I thought that that Milro had a pretty good game, looked better. Um, Tennessee, you know, got back and, and took it to Spencer Rattler. So, um, again, I think we have to keep our eyes on those teams. Clearly, we're, we're playing Tennessee, and I'm still not convinced we're not going to see Bama eventually. But anything stick out, Lawrence, to you after uh, about those two games?
0: I, mean, I think Bama is just a good team. I think the uh, I think the calls for their demise were a little bit quick. Um, they're going to be a challenge. They're probably going to be representing the West uh, in the SEC Championship game in Atlanta. They're not the great Bama teams of old. They are the, old, the more of the old school or the great Bama teams of recent memory. They're more consistent with the early Nick Saban teams. They're going to be a tough out no matter when you play them. Um, I didn't watch any of that game, so really hard to comment on it, but I know they just handled their business pretty good. Um, Tennessee, you know, they were out for revenge against Spencer Rattler and the Gamecocks. They did suffer a, a really bad injury to their wide receiver, Brew McCoy. Um, I think he's, I mean, I think he's out for the season. It looked really bad, kind of like a Chubb-esque type, um, foot pointing in the wrong direction. Not good. Um, and he's their best player on offense. Um, they got a good win. They got the revenge on Rattler, but, uh, that's a big, big loss for them if McCoy is out for the season.
2: Yeah, in, in terms of him, I'm gonna disagree with you. Um, are they good? Yeah. People are making it, they beat Mississippi State, the sketchy dogs by what, twenty-one points or something like that. People are making it like, you know, they won Super Bowl two. Um, I think that anytime that they've gonna they're gonna have to come from behind, they're gonna have some big, big issues. Because Jalen Milrow, yes, super athletic. He's not gonna be able to get it done from them if if, if they have a deficit or, or, you know, he's gotta put the team on their shoulders in the fourth quarter. Um I still think they lose another game. It could be this weekend. Weird, you know, weird things happen in, in Jordan-Hare. Weird things happen in, uh, you know, Coltland land in, in uh, yeah, Johnny Manziel-land. So, I, interesting. I think I think Bama's favored by four and a half or three and a half, something like that. That's going to be a good game. I'm excited to watch that. In terms of uh, Tennessee, uh, yeah, it sucks with Brew McCoy. They still have a guy named Squirrel, though. Um, and Squirrel did have a a nice game. But you know what? And I don't wish any injury upon any kid, and I do feel bad for him. But but. That field is the biggest piece of shit. It has taken so many ACLs uh, on that field. Clean it up. I don't. I don't know what they do there, but again, Nick Chubb. That's where Chubb uh, got hurt. Yep. Yeah. Chubb. Keith and, Marshall, it, Justin Scott, Wesley. Just uh, recent memory. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I do feel bad for the kid, but maybe Tennessee will learn something and uh, get a better gardener. Forrest Comp. So, come. <laughs> so I'm, I made the comment
1: last week that uh, other than Georgia, I think that Colorado and Coach Prime are the only uh week in week out member of my outline or our outline that we've discussed every week. And I debated Gantz. I debated this morning if I was going to include Coach Prime and Colorado or not. I decided to give them one more week because we teased, you know, what was going to happen this week for USC. It came to fruition. Um, you know, the first time I turned it on, Lawrence, we turned it on it was 30 something to nothing. Kind of kind of looked the other way, went on the boat for a little bit, came back, and then the score got close. Um, I really don't know how they they got all those garbage time points, but it looks better in the box score than it was in reality. Um, Caleb Williams, six touchdowns, whatever you wanted to do. Uh, but USC's defense, man, like, I don't know. I mean, we'll, we've we discussed this before, too. Like, I don't know if they can, if they're going to be able to stand up the test of time. But, uh, Gans, I'll give you one last time um, with Prime, and then I'm, I'm guessing next week and the, in the weeks that follow, he's not going to be involved. But we saw this coming, and, he was a lot quieter this week, and I think that we're kind of done with the story. Well, I'm I'm just
2: happy that we don't have to hear as much about it. I did watch, I don't watch game day anymore because it's hot and garbage, but I did watch a little bit of the big noon kickoff, which was you know broadcast from Boulder. And Coach Prime was on there for 35 minutes again. His team kicked off at noon. Why was he <laughs> not with his team? Why That's is ten a.m. mountain time, Gans. Yeah, I know. 10 a.m. Mountain Time. Coach Prime was there. Uh, I, I saw the same thing. I didn't watch a ton of the game. I saw, you know, they are up there. They are kicking the shit out of them. And then um, Colorado did come back. Good on them. They've got Arizona State this weekend. I did watch uh, some Arizona State a couple weeks ago when they played USC. They're not an awful team. And it's in Tempe. Hope they don't run out of beer. Um, it, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think they'll probably lose to Arizona State this week.
0: You know... <clears throat> Arizona State lost to Cal
2: this past weekend.
0: Uh, it's going to be a pillow fight. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if Colorado wins. But at the end of the day, like I actually had to dig deep into uh, into the uh, headlines, to actually find out who Colorado is playing this week. So they're start they're starting to fall off the radar. They're no longer headline news. It's what we expected. Uh, but to me, the takeaway for the USC Colorado game really is just how bad USC's defense is. Uh, they they brought Alex Grinch back as defensive coordinator. Lincoln Riley thinks very highly of him. I mean, they I mean they can't stop a damn thing. Um Shador Sanders is good, they got some playmakers, um, but we all saw that they don't have Colorado doesn't have an offensive line, and if you can put pressure on them, you're going to destroy them. Um USC's best defensive player probably is Bear Alexander, and he couldn't get past their. I wish we had him, quite frankly, as you mentioned yeah. yesterday. Uh, but he couldn't get past a, a patchwork offensive line for Colorado. Uh, Shador Sanders lit him up and made it a game and lost by seven. So, hey, good on you, Buffaloes, for keep fighting. And uh, we'll probably not talk about you until we get to bowl pick
2: season. Thank God.
0: The the other team that we keep talking about, maybe we shouldn't, but their
1: games are always on at 11 o'clock at night when everybody's watching and it's going down to the wire every time, Notre Dame again. Um, talk about a pillow fight. Like Their game versus Duke, they won great. Notre Dame does nothing for me. I don't even think we need to spend any time talking about them, but the the media will keep them in the top 10. They'll keep them on prime time. They can't score more than 20 points on anybody. So, again, unless you guys have something – or Sharon to share. we'll just move on. <laughs>
0: Notre you Dame and give them enough credit. It's yeah. really hard to go on the road to uh to Duke on a Saturday night and silence that crowd. It's very similar to Jordan Hare, if you if you ask me. But yeah, I mean they uh they ripped off a run late in the game to get a 17-14 win. Uh, I like Duke's quarterback. He's a good, good story. He did get hurt. Right. Um, I don't know the severity of it. Uh, but yeah, Notre Dame again. Like, if any, if they happen to run
2: the table and get a fourth spot in the playoff, they're going to get the shit kicked out of them. What? One quick note: uh, TCU lost to West Virginia. They still have not recovered from that ass beating in January. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: we killed them. All right. Uh, the last game to talk about, and we can dovetail it into the preview for Georgia game. Uh, Kentucky took it to Florida, man. That was the early game. Um, wasn't very close. Kentucky ran all over them. That's three years in a row that the Gators have lost to Kentucky in football. I'm not talking about basketball. Um, So just when we think Florida and and Billy Napier doing something good, got something cooking, they don't. So what do you all think about Kentucky as an opponent this week, and what was your takeaway from them kicking the crap out of Florida?
0: Again, any truth to the rumor that Billy Napier has shut down his Twitter account? I read that on uh, social media today. I got I have been
2: off Twitter uh for quite some time so We I, need you I,
1: back. Ganza Warrior has not got to come <laughs> back to Twitter. One of the better followers around. Come on, dude. It wasn't too- again,
2: again, I think this is more story
0: of Florida just not being a good football team. They don't have the talent in the trenches. Uh Kentucky ran all over them. Um, you know, Last year when we went up to Lexington and we played them, it was one of those games. It wasn't a very exciting one. We walked out of there with like a 10-point 10, 10 win where we ran the ball 100,000 times. And it was part of uh, you know what Graham Coffey likes to call Munkin's long con where he just wanted to establish the offensive line in the run game and work on the different uh, uh, pass blocking and run blocking schemes. Um, this year will be a little bit different, right? We're not there yet as a team where we can kind of like play choose your own adventure as we go into these games. Um, I, I mean, I listen. I think we win. I think we cover the number. I think we. I think our defensive line and linebackers step up. Um, from what I've seen from Kentucky, which admittedly isn't a lot, um, I feel like they're just kind of a one trick pony. They never have a ton of offense. Their quarterback supposedly supposedly is good, but I guess if you have a guy who can run for two hundred eighty yards, um, you don't really have to have to show too much uh, from a passing attack. But I think we take care of business in between the hedges uh, this weekend.
2: Uh, Ray Davis ran for 280 yards, as we mentioned. He's he's kind of a downhill runner. You're not going to see a lot of uh, some of those zone read uh, RPOs. That um, and really, I don't think you can use RPO for Auburn because they threw the ball like four times. But more zone read, you know, um, off the edge. Um, Devin Leary, their quarterback, who took over for Will Levis, is definitely a step down. He went nine of 19 for 69 yards the other day. Um, nice. Yeah. George has got to clean some things up. I really did like what I saw from the offense, though, in the second half. Um, I'm hoping that last week was a turning point. Feed 19 the ball. Get him the ball any way you have to. We said this from from the first show. Good things happen when 19 gets the ball. I, I don't want to salt your crackers here, Lawrence, and you'll probably get to this. 15 seems like a weird number to me. I would have thought, based on the way we played... Um, and based on the way that they played, it would have been a lower number than that. That actually makes me feel kind of good that it is a, a two-touchdown line. I expect big things out of Carson Beck. I expect him to throw for 300 yards this weekend. I expect Brock Bowers to, to catch for 100, you know, uh, 100 yards receiving. I'd just like to see the defense clean things up a little bit. And I'd like to see us come out of the gates hot. I mean, I'm not we don't need to put up 22 points in the first quarter, but how about seven? Is
1: that, is that asking too much? Yeah. So night game in Athens between two ranked teams. Us obviously number one. Kentucky comes in at number 20. The fact checkers can tell us the last time we had a night game in Athens between two ranked SEC teams. Maybe it was last year. I don't know. But nonetheless, Proud will be nice and lathered up. Uh, we have the Braves going on at the exact same time, um, taking on the winner of the Phillies and the Marlins. So you'll get that component where the PA announcer might update us with some brave scores and uh, get people even more going. So I think it's gonna be a great atmosphere. Really much looking forward to it. Uh, all right. Jay Stein injury report. We're having fun doing that each week. We're recording this Sunday night. Kirby has not listed any new injuries from last week or what's looking like for next week. So um, we'll just kind of cover the, the, the prior big injuries, lad McConkey back on the field, making plays. Great to see him back. Javon Bullard back making plays. God, he just, how fast is that dude, by the way? I mean, I, you know, he, you can noticeably see him just just shrink di- distances and gaps uh, to 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 break up these past even these passes. It's amazing. Uh, Graham Stein still questionable, which sucks. Uh, oh, lake yeah. activities were somewhat limited. Um, Lawrence, thank you for the ordering of the sit up tube, which allowed him to enjoy tubing activities. And I had to hold on for dear life with his shoulder. But uh, he he's still questionable. Now, the biggest injury report I want to mention is these damn Euro soccer flops by the Auburn Tigers. You guys know what I'm talking about. It was almost every single drive that Georgia had something cooking and you'd see somebody just fall and fake an injury. And in 2023, it's great because there's cameras everywhere. Everybody catches every little thing. And you can see on more than one occasion, these guys blatantly just fake falling over. They look at the sidelines, get the signal, and they just go down. We got to stop this. Something's got to happen. Unsportsmanlike conduct, some sort of penalty, because it's just being used to the advantage of the defense to slow down uh, an offense that's moving. And I, for one, am sick of it. I don't see Georgia guys doing it. Maybe it's happened a time or two, but Auburn to me was consistently um, taking advantage of that rule. So I know you guys saw it. Uh, we got to do something about
0: that. Yeah. UAB did it the week before, Auburn did it a handful of times. Um, yeah due to the uh, the beauty of modern technology and being able to catch it on uh social media, you know nothing's going to be done about it this year but I think that's something that the SEC office needs to look long and hard of do you do you have, do you, um, issue some sort of penalty or half game suspension like a targeting or something like that if it's it's viewed that you're delaying the game intentionally and faking an injury uh it's total Bush League dude It reminds me of the uh,
2: Brazilian football team in the World Cup just rolling around like they got sniped. Uh, and it's it's BS. Make them take a timeout or a delay game if they don't have any timeouts left. Yeah, it, it was it was ridiculous. We have done it before. Uh yesterday was egregious, but the refs were absolutely awful yesterday.
1: So week six slate. Y'all mentioned Bama and AM. They are playing this weekend, right? The 3 30 game. Always a fun game to watch. So we'll see what happens there. Uh Gans, Texas OU, Red River Rivalry um cotton bowl is that texas state fair where they play that thing it at? is the yeah. only game like i always enjoy hearing you talk about your experiences there uh how the crowd gets hyped for is it 11 o'clock local kick 11 um i mean what's the what's the scenery the drinking what's the yeah. crowd like what's oklahoma got coming in against texas What are we what are we looking forward
2: to yeah, so of course it's it's much like Georgia-Florida in the sense that the stadium's split in half. I don't know why they do it at 11 a.m. local time, but the Cotton Bowl is a massive shithole. Um, this is the, <laughs> we've the only college football game they play a year there. They, there might be a bowl game like the heart of Dallas bowl game. Um, it, it's in the hood. It is around Fair Park. Um, and and they do have the fair going on while it's there. Here's here's a, for for any of our friends listening that might be inclined to go to the Texas State Fair, a little pro tip here. They serve their beers in wax paper cups, and by the time you get to the bottom of it, it tastes disgusting. So what I do, a pro, I bring my own cup. I'm one of the few people, I bring my own cup to the Texas State Fair, I bring a red solo cup, and I order my beers and those wax things, and I pour it in there. Huge difference. That being said, I think it's going to be a really good game. I'm excited to see it. Texas has looked very good. Quinn Years has been great. I don't call me A.D. Mitchell. Uh had 10 catches for you know 150 yards or something this weekend. Uh Oklahoma undefeated. They're not getting a ton of love based on where their rankings are at. Dylan Gabriel has been pretty serviceable thus far. I believe Texas is again three and a half, four, four and a half point favorite. Nice. Uh, five. is it ticked up to five? I think Texas will win. Dare I say Texas actually might be back, but we'll learn a little bit more this weekend. But it's a really cool environment. Weather in Dallas this weekend is usually awesome. The whole town is is basically shut down for, for Texas OU. It, it, it's really cool.
0: You, you know I think would really enjoy the Texas State Fair is Robert Evan Younell. I think he would have a blast. I think they're serving fried fireball shots at the Texas State Fair <laughs> this year. Yeah. Um, it would be a good venue for him. I'd like to follow him around with a video camera and do some one bite challenges with uh, with
2: Big Bob. So I've been to the Texas State Fair probably five years in a row. I've never actually eaten there because all the food looks absolutely atrocious. Plus, I'm filling up myself up on, on cheap beer. And here's another thing, another pro tip for you. Each beer stand. They're like independently run. So they're not the same prices. If you know where the cheap beer stands are and you bring your own cup, you're going to have a hell of a day. But good luck getting out of there for under three or $400. Every time I go there, it, it's costing me a lot. <laughs> are you going? To, will you be there this year? We are not. We are taking a hiatus this year. We, we The Gans family will be going on fall break next week. We don't know where yet. So far be it from me
1: to give you any sort of advice on how to go about your consumption of food and alcohol at the Tech State Fair. But what I'd like to see is bring a Masters cup with you. Bring one of those nice master's cups and, and and ditch
2: the red cup and just roll roll with one of those. That's a great point. But again, think about I'm, I'm flying to Dallas. I would have had to think about that on you know, Wednesday, Thursday as I'm packing. And I forgot to do that. So in fact, not only do I just bring a red solo cup, I bring a few because occasionally I'll toss one. And uh, so I, I stack them.
1: This only requires you to think about it one time and then just leave it in Dallas. Leave it at your in-laws house. You got plenty oh, of those so- master's cups at home.
2: I'll never see it again.
0: You travel (laughs) travel with a car lime. Why would you not have extra master's cups in your carry-on? Exactly.
2: Exactly. I'd like to pose this out there for uh, our loyal listeners. Does anybody find it odd that I keep a lime in my car at all times? I
1: find it helpful because there's been more than one occasion where you came to my house and I had lime and like a liquid lime, which... That does not work for you. And you're uh, like, no worries, no problem. Uh, I'll be right back. I'm like, I guess my I guess my guy's going to Publix or Kroger. You got back in 13 seconds just to your car. It was in it was in the glove compartment. I've started keeping one in Lindsay's car as well. <laughs>
0: Always six prepared, Ps, right? Always prepared. It, respect, my friend.
1: Yeah. yeah. Is it six piece or seven piece? Either way, you've got them. Uh Lawrence, sucker bet, dude. Arizona hit. You're back in the wind column. You're smiling more today. There's more pep in your
0: step. How you feeling? Back in the wind column, so I, as we mentioned, we were up at Hartwell this weekend. Um, we we wrapped up LSU, Ole Miss. I go to turn on Pac-12 after dark to find out that the Washington Arizona game is not televised, um, and so I was following this game along till 1.30 a.m. Eastern time from my phone on the Score Mobile app. Um, there was one point where Arizona got the ball, they started driving, and I was like, they can they can milk the clock here, score a touchdown, and ice and ice the spread. They throw an interception, and now here I go. I think I'm going to uh I think I'm gonna keep the losing streak going. Uh, but Arizona came through, they they lost by seven. I do think um, you know, Washington was on the road. I think I may be wrong, but Washington either play. I guess maybe Washington has a bye this week, but Oregon is their next game. Um, so maybe a little bit of a look ahead for them, but they're playing really good football. Um, they just did not cover this week. So Yahoo for me, uh, we're back on the right side of the of the sucker bet. Good stuff. Now we're recording, as
1: we mentioned, Sunday night. Does that put you at a disadvantage of coming up with your week six sucker bet? Are we going to hear that from you again, that the data is not in? <laughs> you've not analyzed the lines closely enough. Where are we at?
0: So, yeah, so the lines the lines came out this afternoon. There's a few that I'm looking at. Um, I I'm not yet ready to make a call, but the, I mean, quite honestly, the one line that jumps out to me that already you're seeing a heavily, uh, public, um, wager on is Kentucky plus the points. Um, and so I think that, uh, I'm not going to call them the sucker, but, but y'all keep an eye on it. I think the dogs take care of business this weekend.
1: We'll check back in later on the week because we've got to get you down for whatever you're Pick is going to be to keep the running tally going, uh, but fair enough. We know you got to have your data come in. All right, uh, Jason, Jimmo of the week. Last week there were so many contenders. I feel like this week people were a little better behaved. They might have been listening and and being af- afraid to get called out here. Where'd you
2: land? Well, it seems like it. Uh, I did. I did struggle a little bit, and uh, I'll give you a little spoiler alert here. The 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 person that ultimately is going to win this week's prize wasn't based on anything asinine that they said. Just purely performance. Uh, but our three candidates. So uh, one, uh, at some point, we're just going to have to change this to like um, the Jimbo of the day. Ryan Day um, it, it wow. made the list as as a finalist this week, and I think one of you guys were the ones to send it over. His comment: somebody asked him during a bye week at, in the presser, you know, if he's done anything romantic uh, with his wife lately. You know, uh, what's the romance there? And his answer was beating Notre Dame. Um, there's something off with that guy. Again, I used to say that Jim Harbaugh was a serial killer, and I stand by that wholeheartedly. Ryan Day uh, is entering that territory as well. He did not win it this week, but again, he, he definitely made our, our, our podium. Uh, another one, um, and Lawrence was kind enough to turn me on to this, but our, friend, our old friend Gus Malzahn, speaking of Auburn, the last Auburn coach to beat us, uh, was up 35-7 to against Baylor. Baylor is not a good team. Baylor came back and won 36-35, with I think it in about 20 minutes, they, they came back and covered that. Right there. That that that's desirable. But the winner of this week, and, and this uh, this one's gonna hit kind of close to home, is one Brent Key. Brent Key lost to Bowling Green uh after Bowling Green put up 38, 38 unanswered points. We paid uh, we Georgia Tech paid Bowling Green $1.1 million to come to the flats. To play them for a Patsy Cupcake W that will, you know, potentially get you bowl eligible. So uh, one, one note, um, uh, our friend Mookie Blaylock Jr. Uh, did have a nice game. So ha- happy for him there, Don Blaylock. But uh, yeah, uh, Brent Key, you are the uh, Jimbo of the day. Was
0: was some of the criteria that went into his award this week, the fact they wore glow-in-the-dark uniforms at 3.30? Absolutely.
2: <laughs> you just you can't lose to when you're putting a Patsy on the schedule. You can't, not only they lose, they lost by 11 to Bowling Green, giving up 38 unanswered points. Then he demoted, he, I should add this too, he demoted his defensive coordinator, promoted Kevin Scherer, who a lot of our loyal listeners will remember from, from the Dogs. And then he went to Tennessee. Not a good, de- not a good deal. Does, does that make
0: our ball state win look better since uh, Maxin is getting a win against a power five team? Hey, I guess it does yeah. shrink the schedule. <laughs> So Again, I, I I myself have a Jimbo, Josh. It's a non-football related Jimbo award. If you would allow me for thirty seconds, um, I went to the Braves five. game last week on uh, I forget Wednesday night, Thursday night, whatever it was, where Acuna hit the forty seventy club, a feat that has never ever ever happened in the history of Major League Baseball. Is that correct? I believe that's correct. That correct. He took what thirty seconds to take the bag out, put it in the dugout. He got some MVP chance, some celebration. And then we start seeing on social media that the Cubs commentary team was dragging him through the mud and basically saying it was Bush League move. Why is he wasting time in this game that's oh so important? But if you go back and look at history, um, look at how much time the Cubs took when Sammy Sosa hit, hit, uh, broke the um, the home run record. And when him and Barry Bonds were in their roid-infused home run race, they'd stop games for time on end to celebrate and for them to call out Acuna, I think it's just such a bush league move. Uh, Acuna just did something that's never been done, and he should be applauded for it. Agreed. And you know, t- Twitter and the national uh, media are
1: all on Team Acuna on this one. The the Cubs got this guy's got crucified. I mean, it was funny. Like you know, they got eliminated last night, and all the t- the tweets came out. It's like Cubs eliminated due to Acuna celebrating fifteen <laughs> seconds celebrating the record. You know, something like that. Come on, Cubs, give me a break. Be better. Uh, last thing I'll say about Brent Key is like, you know, all of us have Georgia tech uh, friends that are fans of Georgia tech and poor you just can't, what are you going to say to them? Um, but Lawrence, I feel like your friends that are tech fans, like they still kind of have some machismo and some bravado. What the hell do they say about that loss? I mean, are they, uh, you get
0: texts from them? Do you hear from them? Is it just crickets? It's, it's been crickets, man. It's been crickets. Uh, earlier in the season, you know, they had, uh, they should have won week one against Louisville, who's now undefeated. They were very excited about, you know, the the hope and optimism that comes with, you know, a moral victory in week one. Um, bid crickets, man. And it's it's unfortunate. Like I I mean, listen, I think it's better for the state and it's better for us when it, the tech game's competitive and, and lately it just hasn't been. Um, something's got to change there. Hopefully, you know, Brent Key, it is year one. Give him some time. But uh, you know, hey, Saban lost to Louisiana Monroe his first year. So maybe Brent Key just needs a little more time, but um, he's got work to do.
1: There's hope to be had guys. Great week coming up ahead of us. Cannot wait for Saturday night dogs versus cats under the lights. Braves versus, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't care. I mean, I, in years past, I've said, I hope we played this team. Whatever. Bring doesn't them up. Matter. Phillies, Marlins, doesn't matter, but it's going to be a good time. So thank you all for listening out there. And uh, we'll see you next week. Until then, go dogs, go Braves. Keep chopping all of it. Later dudes. Go dogs, Braves.